And welcome to the Mindful Muslim Podcast, where we discuss Islam, mental health, spirituality and psychology. This month we are talking about premarital relationships and how this can affect your mental health. However, we're stepping away from the halal and haram aspect and focusing on the negative consequences of having a relationship outside of marriage. And today with me, alhamdulillah, I'm joined by Sister Haleh Banani from the US. Asalaamu Alaikum, Sister. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for having me on. I hope you're doing well. Doing excellent, alhamdulillah. Okay, mashallah. Um, I was just wondering if you'd like to um, sort of tell our listeners a bit about yourself, what you what you do and um, sort of what sort of works you've contributed to because there's so much, mashallah. Alhamdulillah, sure. I'm a, a marriage counselor. I did my master's in clinical psychology with over 20 years of experience, alhamdulillah. And I do online therapy sessions with clients from around the world. So I've seen it all and heard it all, alhamdulillah. I am the founder of the Five Pillars of Marriage Program, which is a comprehensive online marriage program, which helps people to save their marriages or make, take it to the next level. And we're also excited about a new program. It is actually very relevant to today's discussion, which is a premarital program, and it's called Laugh and Learn. Mashallah, just out of um, just out of curiosity, why have you called it Laugh and Learn? I mean, if it doesn't give too much away from the um, apart from the content, yeah, uh, it's a really interesting title. That's why. <laughs> I'm glad to ask. It's actually it's the first time that a psychologist is getting together with a uh, with a comedian, Baba Ali, and we are uh, we are doing we did a marriage program together, making it very lighthearted, informative, and entertaining. So it will be a great way for new couples to learn how to have the marriage of their dreams and be entertained at the same time. Mashallah, I think it, it's important to give that sort of heavy content and deliver it in a very light-hearted way so it's it's approachable because I think in general premarital relationships exist but no one really wants to sort of acknowledge that it exists so mashallah, inshallah, it's a huge success. Inshallah, um, So I was wondering what your opinion was on how these premarital relationships like relationships actually come about like how do they initiate right well many times uh there is that intention of i want to find the right person i want to find mr or miss right or mr and mrs righteous right <laughs> and uh <laughs> and it's about okay well i need to get to know the person and they start bending the rules. It's about, okay, well, my intention is to get married. So it's okay if we spend a little time together. And they start thinking that the end justifies the means, which we really need to be careful about because we all know that Islamically, the end does not justify the means. The means, the way you go about doing something is so critical. And if you want the blessing, 
of Allah, then you really need to be watchful in the way you go about choosing your spouse and meeting the right person. So people come in um, getting these uh, relationships, whether it's with someone at work or someone at school or online, and boundaries become very faded. They, they just kind of fade away and they end up getting into um, an intense relationship. So when you sort of say intense, because there's obviously there's there's a lot of uh, sort of synonyms that can be used instead of intense. What 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 is an intense relationship, and how does that negatively impact a person? Okay, so what happens is that as a person, as you start spending time with a person, whether that's online or whether you're meeting up together, the emotions uh, they start. It, they start increasing, you start becoming attracted, and sometimes even addicted to the person that you're spending time with. And this, this can really take over your sense of reasoning, you become blinded, as uh, so to say, so you are just being ruled by your emotions, and you're not maybe thinking as clearly. So that's why um, I, I call it intense, because when you are in love, it is a very intense uh, emotion. And many times, unfortunately, what I have seen with the clients that I have worked with through the years is that it does turn into a physical relationship. And when there is a physical relationship, and you have all of those emotions going, it becomes very difficult to um, to make correct judgments because you are now involved with this person, both physically, there's like chemical reactions going on, you're very attached to the person, and then it becomes uh, it becomes very challenging. In case you did not choose the right person, it becomes very challenging to just step away from this relationship. I'll give you an example. Sometimes um, I have clients that come in who end up having a relationship like this with, let's say, a classmate in college, and the person, they're, they're not Muslim, it's a female client, and they have been physical with a non-Muslim male. So you can imagine how this is an intense relationship because they've gotten physical, they love the person, but then they very well know that this is not the person that they can marry because, you know, Islamically, it wouldn't be right. And so it leads to a lot of anxiety. There is a lot of guilt and, uh, and it becomes very, very challenging to deal with. SubhanAllah. I mean, so you mentioned like at the beginning where, um, these sort of relationships come about because everyone's looking for their Mr. and Mrs. Righteous. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that um, there's, do you feel that there's an issue um, between uh, opposite genders of what, of not being taught how to interact with each other, if that makes sense? Like, do we only view each other? Like, do we only view the opposite sex within a relationship focus? Um, or could it be that there's not enough boundaries, um, especially, you know, with the rise of the digital age and et cetera? What, what are your thoughts on all of this? Right. Well, I do definitely think that the boundaries need to be, um, they need to be honored. And when I, when I do sessions and I see people of the highest caliber, the, um, they are, whether, whether, whether they're spiritual leaders or their houses of Quran 
or they have a lot of knowledge and they fall into the same mistakes, um, whether it's extramarital affairs or they fall into issues prior to marriage. It, it has really taught me that no one is immune, right? It's not about the amount of knowledge you have, amount of Quran you know. It really, like anyone, is, can fall and anyone can falter regardless of, of the amount of knowledge you have. And so, um, one, you have to recognize that you can fall into error unless you adhere to the boundaries. And that's why it is very critical to, um, to respect those boundaries. So that's one. Um, and I find that majority of the people become very lenient. And you have to realize that, you know, there's, it's very clear. The boundaries are very clear. And there's no clause that says, unless they're cute, then you can spend uh, plenty of time with them, right? So we have to be cautious about that. And then as far as, um, as far as, what was the first point that you asked about? Um, as far as not knowing the genders? Yeah. So how like, um, so for example, growing up, not being taught how to interact interact with the opposite mm-hmm. gender like growing up as a young girl always being told like you shouldn't talk to boys because boys are haram <laughs> right 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 and and this is an issue as well because i have seen individuals who are brought up in very segregated communities or they go to let's say all girls school or, or all boys school and uh, they're very awkward around the opposite gender and I think that this does lead to some problems because uh, when when you are that uncomfortable and the first person who comes and tells you oh you're pretty then you may just melt and totally cave in so I think it is very important to have a certain level of self-confidence, to be able to interact with the opposite gender in a very appropriate way. And that's why I feel it's um, it's important for kids as they're growing up, let's say in their schooling, uh, to have some level of interaction, but guided interaction. That way they know how to interact. It is not uh, a very, it's not just taboo and it's not something very, that they become overly curious about because I can tell you those uh, individuals who went to all girls school throughout their life and suddenly came to college went absolutely boy crazy where I went to public schools I interacted with uh, with my classmates male female it was very ordinary for me and I kept those boundaries I felt it was much healthier than those who suddenly got their chance at being uh, with the opposite gender and many of them faltered because of that definitely and I think I think the the key um sort of words to pick up on there where you said was sort of guided interaction um and Mm -hmm. I feel that when there's guided interaction from a young age like you said it stops that level of dangerous curiosity because of course as human beings we're social beings and Allah has given us intellect and he's giving us um sort of the desire to constantly gain new experience and etc um so I mean like you mentioned curiosity do you think that is what makes having a relationship outside of marriage so attractive it does the curiosity um, the idea that there's more out there and I think it's um, if we're talking about someone who is married I deal with this constantly on a daily basis I have people who are religious who are practicing who have been married 
And for sometimes, you know, for anywhere from three, four years to 20 years, and then there is extramarital affairs, unfortunately. And there are a variety of reasons for this. One of the number one reasons that people end up cheating, and it's uh, research proves that it's a lack of friendship within the marriage. So when someone feels that they are lonely, they're living as roommates, they are not connected in any way, they start chatting, whether it's with their coworker, whether it's someone online, whether it's some uh, a classmate, then they start chatting and forming this friendship. And, and it's a very slippery slope because as they put down their guards, as they share, as they enjoy their time, they start getting emotionally attached. And that will be called emotional infidelity. And emotional infidelity can very quickly lead to physical infidelity. So sometimes it's just a longing for companionship. So what impact can this um, emotional infidelity, I've never actually heard of that before, mashallah, it's mm-hmm. so on point, but what impact can this have on a young person? Oh, it is. It, it's first of all a cancer to the marriage, because if you are investing your energy, your time, your excitement, all of that into another relationship, you don't have enough for your own relationship. So you end up neglecting the person that you have made a commitment to, and you are exerting all that energy with someone else. So it is it is a huge dishonor to your marriage when you form these kind of friendships. And it will definitely, um, if your spouse finds out, which they usually do, it will break that trust. And once trust is broken in a marriage, which is one of the biggest, most important aspects of a, of a relationship, then it's so difficult to rebuild it. So it will make the, make your spouse question you. There will be a lot of hurt feelings. It takes quite a bit. Now it can, you can overcome it. I help people all the time to overcome any form of infidelity, whether it's emotional or physical. Um, but it is a it is a grueling process for the for the person who has been cheated on. So, I mean, speaking to a lot of um, young people who are in sort of premarital relationships, um, and if we sort of offer them the advice that Islam offers them, which is you know to fast to, to get married as soon as possible. Um, so ideally, we should think that marriage avoids the problems that we would experience in premarital relationships. But what you're saying is, is that infidelity also happens in, in, in marriages. So what would be, you know, what would you say, like, how does marriage avoid such problems? Okay, the key is working on having an amazing marriage through education, through learning the skills. What I have found is that majority of people do not have good examples. Their parents either, either fought all the time or they were, um, they were ignoring one another. It's very rare for, for a client to tell me that yes, they had exceptional parents who had excellent conflict resolution, who were loving, who were giving and caring. It's very rare for that to happen. And because most people have not experienced that and most people have not attended any form of um, any form of schooling, any form of education in learning these life skills, 
then um, then they are bound to make the same mistakes. And that's why I have made it my my mission, my passion is to really to combine the psychology and the Islam and create these programs where people can really learn all the skills. And this is this comes from you know the the 20 years of experience working with people and also my marriage of 20 years, alhamdulillah. I think um, you know, applying all of these skills into my marriage, I can see how it the result of it, because many people just talk theories, right? But when you live it and you experience it, it's completely different. So I think that the key is to get the correct education, get the right marriage skills, know how to deal with difficult conflicts with ease. You won't have a marriage without conflict, right? No one has a marriage without conflict, but it's not the absence of conflict that makes for a great marriage, it is how you resolve the conflict. And that's what you will get when you, when you learn about these kind of, um, with that, with these kind of programs, whether five pillars of marriage or the lesson learn. You know, if you're about to get married, you really should invest in, you know, people spend so much on a marriage, right? It's the dress and the, the event and the meal. They spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. But they're not really focused on the marriage. It's all about the wedding day. I, I think that's a, a really impressive point that you've made about how it's all about the wedding day, not the not the actual actual marriage. Um, and you know, my experience of like witnessing people who are married around me in in the upcoming months, there's no sort of. Um, there's no sort of like Islamic kind of teaching on how to to be married, if that makes sense. There's a lot of cultural teachings like as a man, you're going to be expected to do this. And as a woman, you're going to be expected to do this. And, you know, we need to get this for the wedding day. and We need to get that for the wedding day. But there's no I mean, like I've never witnessed a parent sit down with their child and say, like, look, you're about to get married and this is a huge deal. Right, right. And you know, I was doing a, um, I was doing a conference for all, for youth. So there were a hundred youth, no parents were allowed. It was like 50 girls, 50 sisters, 50 brothers. And you know, it was just shocking, um, how so many girls came up to me. She's like, I'm engaged. I'm about to get married. I never got the talk. I don't even know what to expect. And the misconceptions that they had. And then the brothers were exposed to absolutely everything, whether it was the porn or whether it was the, um, you know, being curious and experimenting with so much. So there was such a, it's a mismatch. And that's why, let's say doing something like, like laugh and learn, where you, you go into the program, you, and it's all about learning the skills that maybe your parents didn't even have. And that's why they didn't have the ideal relationship, right? So it's like learning this. I even have, let's say, um, bonus, uh, bonus videos about the wedding night. You know how many people, uh, are frightened about the wedding night? And so I say wedding night without the fright. <laughs> so you can experience this, this amazing experience. You can have this connection without having any kind of fear. And so, um, it is very critical to learn and it's step by step. So if you take this and you follow it step by step, you're going to avoid so many pitfalls. You're going to have this really enriching relationship where you are 
uh, you have a friendship, you're God conscious, you have all of this love and passion. And that way you safeguard your marriage. You don't make the mistakes. You don't fall into the pitfalls of, you know, the pit, um, pitfalls of marriage and you cherish it and you build a fortress to avoid any form of infidelity. Mashallah. It sounds like, you know, you're reading straight out of a textbook, Mashallah. <laughs> well, this um, is something I've been working on for quite some time. Yeah. I, you know, I work with it every single day and, uh, and it's exciting to see when people do apply it, that the results that they get is, yeah. is pretty phenomenal, Mashallah. Yeah, Mashallah, I can imagine. So what, what solutions does do you feel as a, a sort of um as a as an islamic counselor as a relationship sort of advisor and etc what solutions do, do you feel that islam provides from premarital desires and if we step away from the whole get married and you need to fast like what other solutions does islam <laughs> have right right well i think it's um it's really important to focus on delayed gratification Right. Because society teaches us immediate gratification. We want everything. We want it now. Feel good now. Look good now. And I think when you focus on delayed gratification in the sense that, okay, I'm going to protect myself now. I'm going to avoid a lot of these haram uh, relationships because I do want to find a spouse and I do want it to be blessed. And I, I can tell you this from my own personal experience going to college here. There were a lot of temptations. There were a lot of people who pursued me. There were uh, a lot of different opportunities. And one of the things, I made a commitment to Allah. I said, Ya Allah, I will avoid all of these haram relationships. I will overlook and I will um, keep my chastity and in hopes that you will provide me the spouse with specific, you know, uh, char uh, characters and uh, specific things. And, and, you know, when you make a promise to Allah and you stay true to that and Allah will reward you, whatever you give up for the sake of Allah, you will be rewarded thousandfold. So I think that that is a very important thing to keep in mind um, in that it is not just about your immediate desires. You can control the, those desires and wait for something much better. I like to give um, this analogy. I was talking at my kids' school, and uh, I was talking, I think, to the seniors, and we were talking about relationships and, and how it is very tempting. You know, when you find someone you're attracted to, they are giving you compliments, they want to spend time with you. It's very hard to say, you know what, um, uh, you know, to just put down the guards and, and keep the boundaries. So one of the things I tell them, I go, imagine if you are on your way to a, to a five star hotel and you're, you're going to have the most amazing buffet, right? All your favorite meals. You're going to be pampered. It's going to be amazing. And then on the way, let's say you stop by and get like a cold, uh, burger from McDonald's. Okay. How is that going to affect your appetite? How is that going to affect your whole experience once you arrive at the buffet? And is it going to be worth it? Right. You find that it is definitely going to affect your appetite and it's definitely going to take away from that whole experience. And if you think about it like that, instead of getting involved in these, you know, these frivolous 
these relationships that you know is not leading to marriage. You know that it's just you're flirting. You're just, you know, maybe messing around. This is all going to take away from that ultimate experience. And I can tell you that when you, when you safeguard yourself, when you keep these special, beautiful moments of, of holding hands, of embracing, of all of those things in you, and you keep it special for the person that you're going to marry, it will be amazing and you will have a heightened sense of appreciation rather than having multiple experiences with heartbreak and disappointment. So it is, it is a matter of really waiting and realizing that there is uh, there, you know, inshallah, that is coming and you're going to have that delayed gratification. And I think, you know, a remedy is having a sense of purpose in your life. If you're busy, if you're contributing, you are um, enjoying life. Don't put your life on hold until you get married. Many people have that mentality that they're not really complete or they're not really um they're just waiting until they get married. I think that you should definitely have a sense of purpose. You need to contribute. You need to volunteer. If you have a full and fulfilling life, you're not going to be just bored and so easily tempted. And you um, definitely need to have that good suhba, the good friendship the righteous friendships who will keep you in line. So if you are about to falter, they will get you back on track. And, and there's that reminder of, uh, of what lies ahead and, uh, and then just having strength of Iman. So you have to increase your knowledge. You have to increase your worship. You have to have halal fun, right? You need to have an alternative to all of those things that you're avoiding. So if it's all like haram, 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 and then, uh, you know, like, what am I left with? So you need to make sure that you make your life very full, very complete in the halal way. Definitely. And uh, I think something, you know, something so amazing you just said about, and which I've never really uh, thought of it in that way, um, is if you stay away from these kind of relationships, it's not just about restricting like your um it's not about restricting yourself rather it's actually you know protecting and safeguarding yourself which I think is what you said and I I think that's something that a lot of young people who go into these relationships don't see I mean I think they probably gain you know have these relationships thinking that you know this is what's gonna um especially those who are struggling with a lot of mental health problems like depression mm-hmm. anxiety um those like those among us who are introverts as well when they go into mm-hmm. a relationship it's almost as if that person is saving them bringing them out of that shell giving them that that you feel the euphoria that antidepressants can't give them but in in reality if you were to stay away from that in the long run you would actually be protecting yourself and safeguarding yourself and I feel like a lot of people don't see it that way but rather see it as a restriction on their freedom and not having that halal fun like you just said right well it's very dangerous to look for that let's say completion or look to someone as your savior to look to someone oh they're going to take me out of the depression that is not the right mentality to get into a marriage. The idea of I am lost, I am alone, I'm incomplete, and I'm going to go out there and someone's going to 
fill me up and someone's going to make me happy. This is what leads to a very toxic and unhealthy relationship. A person going in and, and just looking, basically it becomes like your spouse becomes your therapist and, and this is not healthy. So if someone is suffering from depression or anxiety, I would really highly recommend for them to seek treatment, to find a way of getting healthier and being on a path of recovery rather than thinking that the other person is going to come in and just make me feel better because that, that, that's going to be that euphoria you're talking about is going to be temporary, right? And you need to work on yourself. And that's why pillar one of our, uh, the marriage program, the five pillars of marriage and also laugh and learn is talks about self development. It talks about how you need to be your best. You need to be, uh, healthy emotionally, physically, psychologically, you need to intellectually stimulate yourself. You have to really work on yourself so you're at your best because if you're not at your best, you're not going to bring out the best in your spouse. And going in, and this is what I see with a lot of clients who come in. I just had a client yesterday. They came in and the husband, he's very, he's very kind. He's very affectionate. He, he, um, it seems like a very giving man. Yet the wife suffers from depression. She's depressed. She is unable to connect on any level. And this is really causing a problem in the marriage. So we need to be in a healthy place. You don't have to be perfect, right? It's not about like, oh, I need to attain a certain, um, a certain level in order to get married. But you do need to make it a priority to fulfill yourself and correct yourself. And not wait for someone else to do that for you. So that, that can be, um, a huge issue when someone is going into the marriage to just kind of get that, uh, get the fix. You need to go into a marriage ready to give. And when you go in with that mentality of, I want to, I want to give, it's not about, I'm so sad. I'm so lonely. Come please fix me. Because see, that leads to neediness and men are not attracted to neediness. They like to feel needed. But they don't like neediness. If you're just clinging on to, oh, make me happy, take me out, do things for me, that, that can very quickly lead to infidelity because they're like, oh my God, this is too much and I need an escape. So that's, that's why it's so important to really, um, work within yourself and, um, and not lean on someone else to bring you that happiness. Definitely, I think you know everything you said is so so significant. Um, I just wanted to touch up on on a point that you made earlier, um, about how a lot of people sort of put their life on pause and until they until they get married and you know don't do a lot of things because they feel like the life is going to start at marriage. I mean, on the opposite side of of the spectrum, I think is a lot of people delay marriage because they feel like marriage is going to end a lot of good things in in their life. Like I've met. A lot of people, male and female, who have got a lot of things going for them. Mashallah, you know, they're really successful in their in their education, their careers. You know, they're entrepreneurs and all sorts. Um, and they sort of say like, oh yeah, I don't I don't think I can get married right now. I've got a lot of stuff going on. And I've always wondered why ha why has that got to do with anything of your you know of your success? I mean, getting married isn't you know it. it 
out of the whole year you're probably going to take like a week off right max Mm -hmm. to to get married and etc and then the rest of it is is building the rest of your life with this person like can you comment on that I've never really understood why right there's there's always two there's always two like opposites like you know they put their cause to get married yeah or they're you know they don't want to start yeah I'm so glad you bring this up because it is an issue in our society um Many parents that I, that I know that emphasize education, they will tell their kids, you know, don't even think about marriage until you have finished medical school or don't even think about marriage until, um, you know, you, you have gotten your MBA or you're an engineer. And this, this advice can actually be very dangerous because what happens is that, um, there is a window of opportunity. Right. And I believe, especially for, for the sisters, the, the years between the twenties, that is an ideal time. And it's, and it's quite much more easy to get married in that, um, in that window, in that decade, than um, then the years go by. And I think when you hold off on your, um, on getting married because of your, your education, because of your work and your career, and you're so focused on, on self-improvement, not just self-improvement, but it's just about really you're just focused on your career and education and you put this on hold. It's, there's no guarantee that there is going to be someone at that point. I think the mindset is, well, that person is there and it will happen, but you forget about that window of opportunity. And I think it's very critical that simultaneously as you're studying, as you're building your career, to keep that option open and if you find the right person if there is someone compatible don't you know do not uh, <clears throat> resist that give it a chance give it a chance and i think when when you allow yourself to to get married at a, at a younger age i know my, my husband and i we met in college it was through the muslim um, association msa and uh, and and once we got married and I started my master's after that. I was very focused. I, we were able to support one another. And I know of about a lot of other couples who get married and they're young and they're working on their uh, master's program or going to medical school together. And it actually, I think, helps to have that sense of outlet, to have a companion, to um, build your life together rather than putting it on hold and then being in a, in a, um, at a stage in your life where it becomes a lot harder. And the longer you wait to get married, the pickier you become. And something that you, um, mentioned as far as, um, as far as what happens to these people who do have these side relationships. Because if you're waiting till you're maybe 30, 40 years old or 35, it's very likely that there are these side relationships going on, right? And if you have these side relationships, it really jades your ability to make a decision. First of all, it's going to be much more confusing. You're going to have, you know, four or five people that you're going to compare and say, oh, well, this person, you know, well, they were very, let's say, they were very religious, but this one was really good looking and that one was very expressive. And you have, and you pick the best characteristics and you compare and you're not taking the person as a full package. 
So that can be very, very confusing and it does affect your expectation. The more people you end up having relationships with, then it's going to really jade your level of expectations and you get accustomed to basically a honeymoon period because with each person you start a relationship with, well, it's great at the beginning, you have fun, you go out. And then as soon as the problems arise, the um, there is a tendency to escape, right? There's a tendency to escape and avoid the problems by ending the relationship. So people get accustomed to this cycle of honeymoon and then ending it when problems arise. Then they go into a marriage with that mindset. And as soon as the honeymoon period fades, they just, that, that's why they're so quick to, um, to act on it and to, to even consider divorce. Mashallah, everything you, you said was, was really, really great and really significant. Um, just a few more closing points. I mean, you do a lot of work around helping people sort of save their marriage and, you know, helping people to have that, you know, that loving and healthy, uh, uh, marriage. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you feel are sort of trigger warnings or uh, red flags that should, you know, alarm, ring those alarm bells of having a premarital relationship or that could lead to relationships outside of the, outside of the marriage? Right. It's, um, it's very critical when you're choosing the person that you're going to marry that you are watchful about these, about certain red flags because Many of my clients will tell me that they saw these things, but they kind of ignored it. They were so eager to get married that they, they felt, you know what, it's not important. I'm just going to overlook it. Let me just, let me just go. I, I'm sure I can change it. First of all, don't ever think that you can marry someone with the hopes of changing a person. Okay. So if you find that this, the person you're considering, uh, you need to change them before they're up to par. That's going to cause a lot of problems and be aware of your, of the person wanting to change you. So if they're coming in and they're asking you to, to change on many different levels, I would say that this is a red flag, that they're going to, uh, possibly be a bit domineering in the relationship. And that red flag is being very possessive. If they are possessive of you, where they try to limit your interaction with your family, with your friends, with your outings, this can be a sign of uh, a possibly an abusive relationship. Because usually abusive relationship, one of the first thing that the spouse does is cuts the person from all of their interactions, all of the people who can support them, so they can have full control over the over their spouse. So be aware of this sort of possessiveness. If there is an anger issue, if you find that they react um, in, in a very harsh way, whether it's to you or to other people, and I think you know, it's very important to see the person you're going to marry in a variety of environments. And of course, in a halal way, but I think what, what is being done right now, where you just sit in the living room with the parents watching, you can be really on your best behavior for those, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, but you need to go maybe with a chaperone, maybe with the, with the family, somehow go to different environments, see how this person responds to people who are beneath them. Let's say, how do they, how do they deal with the waiter? How do they deal with the person who messes up their order? What if someone cuts them off on the highway? What if they, 
um, have disappointments? How do they deal with disappointment? These are things that we really do not see until you get married. But if you do it in a halal context, then you get to see the full picture. And if you start seeing that they are really, let's say, rude to um, to the servers, or they're extremely uptight and angry when their order gets messed up, these, these are red flags, because guess what? You're, that is going to be, um, that is going to be projected onto you. And another, um, another red flag is if you're constantly fighting. I had a client who came to me and said, well, I've been in this relationship. Uh, I think it was a long-term relationship and they hadn't gotten married. But during that long-term relationship, they would get into these huge fights. It was so blown out of proportion. It, it became violent and she still married this person. I said, you know, during this honeymoon period, this is supposed to be when you're overlooking so much, you're having fun and you are um, enjoying each other's company. If you're constantly in a battle, if you're constantly having issues, then this is a sign that you may not be compatible for one another. Another red flag to look out for is um, is the family, the in-laws. And how, what is their involvement? If you find that, you know, maybe, maybe the mother calls all the shots, that's, that's going to be your life in the future, right? You're not going to really have a say in that relationship. If you find that there's maybe like a very unhealthy attachment where, where, where your husband will not have a voice, or if you find that your spouse, your, your wife is completely at the mercy of the parents where they, they, they are not able to stand up for themselves in any way, shape, or form. This is a red flag. So I think it's really important to be aware of these things. And, um, and, you know, maybe, maybe it's a sign. Pray a Sahara. Make sure you're making the right decision. Don't just get married for the sake of getting married. Get married to the right person, inshallah, so you can avoid a lot of these, um, a lot of these heartaches and, and, and divorces, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, and I think what is interesting is a lot of the red flags that you mentioned, you often can't, um, sort of experience them or you can't often filter them when you're in that sort of premarital kind of stage like when when you're in a in a relationship that your parents don't know about or your siblings don't know about mm -hmm. or no one that knows mm -hmm. about you're only going to see them in one particular context and it right. may be for a few hours every week or a couple of hours every day and that that the behavior that each of you present is going to be very different to what it's going to be like in, in every other in every other context and of course that's with marriage as well like obviously mm -hmm. you don't really know a person until you spend a lot of time with them when you um when you uh, are living with them essentially um but um yeah mashallah this has been so comprehensive and i, I wish we could go on mashallah you've you've spoken about it in so much detail and I think our listeners will really benefit um we do have a couple of questions that have come in from people that would like to know more um sure. so one person message said how do we know we are mentally ready for marriage okay good question how do we know that we're mentally ready for marriage there has to be a sense of um you have to know yourself you have to know 
what makes you what makes you happy what motivates you what what angers you there's there's got to be a certain level of self reflection you know um one couple came in and i was asking i was asking the sister what what can your husband do to make you happy and she was she was a total blank she didn't know and i said how do you expect him to make you happy when you don't even know yourself well enough to to tell him to give him you know you have to basically give the key to your heart to your spouse so if you don't even have those keys how can you expect them to open up the you know your heart so it's it's about um being self-reflective it's about having the skills i would encourage each person to learn these marital skills you know uh, sign up for the course go through you know something that um like let's say going through the laugh and learn program it teaches you all the skills that you need to have in order to have a have a loving relationship you need to know how to resolve conflict that is one of the biggest things. You know, I had a couple who came in and um, they were about to get divorced. They were only married two, three months. Do you know what the cause of the divorce was <laughs> or they were thinking about? He snored too much. Okay. He snored too loudly and she wanted to get a divorce. Yes, it's it's funny, but it's it's ridiculous and it's sad that not to have the skills to resolve that because there's going to be a lot of problems. So it's knowing how to resolve your problems. It's knowing how do you express your needs without being offensive? How do you, do you know how to talk to your spouse in a way that they will feel validated? They will feel appreciated. They will feel loved. Because if you don't know these things, then you're going to go into a marriage and make the same mistakes that everybody does. So check on how you resolve conflict, how in tune you are with yourself, how you communicate. And if you don't know these things, then then learn it. Learn it before you go into the marriage, inshallah. Yeah, definitely, mashallah. So another another question is, we'll just do a few. Um, should I entertain a proposal even though I feel he may not be able to pay, to be patient with me and my anxiety? Should I entertain a proposal even if he is not patient? You know, I think that patience is a very important characteristic, definitely. And if you find that you struggle, let's say, with your with your anxiety, first and foremost, get that treated. Okay, It's not going to just go away. It is like, let's say, if you have a cavity, the cavity is not going to go away. You go, you get it treated, you fill that cavity, and then you're going to be better. So if you need that extra help, there's short-term therapy you can do and get yourself on track, lower your anxiety. If this has been a way of your life and you feel that he shows a lot of impatience, that's not a good sign. That really isn't because um, if a person is not very patient, this is going to lead to a lot of friction. It's a lot of friction. So, you, I mean, you have to look at all the different aspects of the relationship but if it's something that you really struggle with and you find that the person is not very patient, I would I would say reconsider. And I think just like you said, patience in general, whether you have anxiety or not, mm-hmm. is is a you know sort of essential requirement of any any kind of relationship. Um, whether it is uh, marriage or, or not. Um so another question is 
Um, he told me he has PTSD. What should I expect and how can we overcome this? Um, so this is actually um, a, a sort of a female fiance, I, I think is the right word, who has who's talking about her fiance saying that um, he has PTSD and he mm. often has flashbacks and he talks about his trauma. Mm. Well, it all depends what the PTSD is from, right? Because you could have PTSD from, let's say, going, maybe it was in the military and he, he fought in the military. It could be um, sexual abuse. It could be physical abuse. It could be quite extensive and it could be, um, it could have an impact on the relationship. I would, um, I would ask the person, see, a lot of time, this goes back to our point about a person getting married in order and they're like hoping to basically treat themselves, treat their mental health through the marriage. Your spouse most likely is not a, uh, is not a marriage counselor, is not a, um, a psychologist. So it's, it's a lot to ask for your spouse to try to help you or cure you in that way, right? So a person who has PTSD, I think, should go to a professional. I think they should talk out their issues because if not, I mean, I have seen quite a number of people who do get married who, let's say, were sexually abused or that there was a lot of physical violence in their, in, uh, in their childhood. And that has a huge impact on their marriage. So, you um, you owe it to yourself and to your spouse, your future spouse, to get this treated. And it's not up to the spouse to to cure you. It really isn't. I mean, you can be supportive, you can be loving, you can be understanding, <clears throat> but you're not going to have the you are not going to have the skills and the training to help them through this. And it can be quite overwhelming if you don't have the skills. So I think um, not that you dismiss anyone who has any issues. That's not what I'm getting at. But I, I think it's important for that individual themselves to, to seek treatment, to, to help themselves and not rely on the person they're going to marry. Other than support and love and uh, encouragement, they're, they're really, they can't resolve your issues because those issues, especially if it's PTSD, can be uh, quite challenging if you're not trained definitely and I also I also think that um say if if your um sort of uh, spouse was a relationship counselor or therapist or something it'd be a completely different you know there'll be so much bias involved and you know that spouse would you know take on sort of a superhero role um mm -hmm. and it would be really really draining for for both parties and I feel like even within a relationship there have to be boundaries and I feel like those boundaries would be blurred mm -hmm. completely um and as like a supporting wife or fiance, I think it is a it is a duty to understand PTSD. Yeah. I mean, if I was to get married and my husband had PTSD and I was okay with that, I would be like, okay, well, I need to figure out how I'm going to help him if he does have a flashback. What should I be yeah. doing? That kind of that kind of thing. So I feel that would be really important not to take it up on themselves to quote unquote fix their spouse mm -hmm. but to just get I mean like if they had a physical ailment you do exactly the same thing right right it's educating yourself being understanding being loving those are important roles to have but 
um, you're right. As far as a, a spouse becoming the therapist, then it becomes draining. And it, again, it becomes that role of being too needy, too needy of your spouse. You have to be an independent, happily functioning uh, person who's contributing to society, who is growing individually. And if you're not doing these, and this is where a relationship falls apart because you are somehow, um, you're, you're just too dependent on your, on your spouse and that's not healthy. Definitely. And this, this next question is actually really relevant <laughs> to the, today's podcast. So this person has said, I have trust issues due to the marriages I have seen in my surrounding mm -hmm. and also due to the failing of my own relationships before marriage. How can I move on? Right. That is, that's so critical. And this is, you know, one of the, the main reasons I, you know, I, we put about like, let's say three years into making these programs because it's, it's about giving people hope. It's, you know, you're not doomed if you saw your parents have a unhealthy relationship. Okay. You're not doomed if you saw your, your siblings getting a divorce or you, you have a relationship, maybe friendships that keep falling apart. You just simply haven't learned the skills. It is not, um, you know, I can give you just a personal experience. My parents, had a relation, a very traditional relationship where it was all about fulfilling the duties, right? It was, it was all about being respectful and being dutiful, which is, alhamdulillah, it's great. Okay. But it's not the relationship I wanted. I wanted my spouse to be my best friend. I wanted companionship. I wanted the passion. I wanted all that. And so it was all through learning and acquiring the right skills that allowed me, alhamdulillah, to have a relationship quite different than my, than my parents. So you can gain that sense of trust. You can gain that sense of like, I can have a better marriage, but you have to put forth effort, right? You have to learn. You have to invest in order to get those skills that you, that, um, that will help you to get there. It, it's kind of like just someone wishing for, a, a good body, right? As they sit there and have a tub of ice cream and, <laughs> and watch TV. You have to get yourself out there. You got, you have to put in the effort in order to see the, the results. Don't just be scared. Don't just be like, Oh, I'm afraid. Do something about it. Take that fear. Take that mistrust and, and take action into learning the right skills, the right marriage skills, the right attitude, the right expectation in order to have, and, and then require your <laughs> fiance to do the same. And if you do that, then, then there's no reason to fear, inshallah. And you put that tawakkul, you put trust in Allah, because, you know, Allah says, You know, Allah has put that love and mercy in your hearts for one another. So it's there and we just have to make the right choices and we have to be our best. So inshallah, with, uh, with the right form of education, they, you know, you can overcome that mistrust. Yeah, brilliant, mashallah. I think, yeah, in a nutshell, you, you said it. And I think it's, you know, learning from experiences and knowing that, you know, Allah gives us um, 
particular experiences to take a lesson uh, to take you know a lot of lessons from them and a lot of our trials are essentially blessings in disguise as cliche and cheesy as that sounds <laughs> no it is it um, is every every experience is a is a life lesson and it can improve you in some way yeah definitely alhamdulillah um so yeah is there anything else that you would you would like to say or anywhere where our um sort of listeners can get in touch with you or find out more about your work sure well uh if you go on hala banani h-a-l-e-h banani b-a-n-a-n-i dot com uh you can schedule an appointment online and uh so wherever you are in the world you can do those online sessions and then as far as the, the programs are concerned, Lathama, we're launching that within um, a short while, inshallah. So you can look up Laugh and Learn. It will be on my website. It's on my Facebook. You can look me up on Facebook and um, the public figure page. And, you know, I would love to hear back from you. If you have questions, you can write in and, uh, and give me your feedback. So that would be that would be great, inshallah. Brilliant, mashallah. All of that information will be linked at the bottom of um, the page that you're listening this from as well, inshallah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the, in the on the podcast all the way from the US. We really appreciate your time, and um, I, I I really believe that you know this has been a massive success, and all of our listeners will will benefit greatly. So, we really do appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to to do this, of mashallah. Of course, it's a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine, and I. I do pray that uh, Allah puts the right person in each of your lives. Those of you who are listening, inshallah, you find the right person. And those of you who are already married, I do pray that you uh, make it a priority to make your marriage strong because it is the, it is the foundation of a good, happy home and, and happy, confident children. So inshallah, that uh, we can all aspire to be like the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and Khadija radiallahu anha. We just have to get the skills to get there, inshallah. Ameen, ameen, mashallah. And to all our listeners, if you have any other further questions that you would like to ask, feel free to email info at inspirationminds.org.uk. In December, we will be talking about unrealistic intimacy uh, slash pornography. If you have any questions for that, you're more than welcome to email us or get in touch regarding that as well. If you'd like us to discuss any other topics, please do email us. And until next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Nabi Allah, he said, Zamiluni, Zamiluni, Dafiruni, Dafiruni, a mighty task has come before me. I need you here with me by my side, by my side, by my side.